born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Well, take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. This is where it all started. This is where it started, in the book of Acts. And now we're going to get into a little bit of the beginning of the spreading of the gospel. So we're in chapter 3. Chapter 3. I love the book of Acts. It's a book of action. It's a bunch of soul-winning stories. Now we're going to study a little bit about a guy that was born, lived for over 40 years, and he was a cripple. He was a cripple. He was a beggar. And so you have someone that probably wondered, why in the world was I allowed to be born? Because he was born a cripple. And the Bible says, from his mother's womb. Now today, if they was to check and find out that the child was going to be deformed in any way, what would they do to him probably? They'd have an abortion. They're not fit for society. But in the Bible, the child was born. And no doubt Jesus had gone into the same gate many times, and many of the disciples. For some reason or other, this guy had been overlooked. But for a particular time, he was there for a reason, at the right moment, because God was able to take this one individual, this beggar, and um, use him for his honor and glory. Now, the most famous beggar in all the world... I wonder who that was. Who's the most famous beggar in all the world? You ever heard of a guy named Lazarus? There was a rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus was a, a beggar. And he laid at the rich man's gate there and uh, begged for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And the Bible says that here's Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and the earth. He knew all about that beggar. And he tells the story of how this man was rich and this man was poor. And this man just begged for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And one day the man died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the other man that was rich had not trusted Christ as Savior. He didn't believe. So he went to the place of torment. And Jesus is the one that tells the story. But you see... God knows what's going on. God knows every person in this room. He knows how much money you have. 
He knows how much money you don't have. He knows how much debt you have. He knows your job. He knows your health. He knows everything about you. There isn't anything about you he doesn't know. And you'd be surprised, well, if God is God, why doesn't he do something about all of this? He's going to. He's going to he's create a new world. He's going to have a place where there is no sin whatsoever. And that people will live for all eternity. He has done something about it, believe it or not. You know, one of the greatest things as you study the Bible, uh, it never talks about the late Jesus Christ. Why? He's still alive. Now, everybody else has passed away. Well, you know, the, the late blah, 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 and the late blah, blah, blah. There is no late Jesus. He's always living. And he knows what's going on. And this is good to know. But what I want you to see there in verse 1. Peter and John went up and together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame man, from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So lo and behold, here comes Peter and John. And as they came by to go into the temple, they see this beggar laying there, and he's begging for money. And it says that in verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple ask for alms. That means asking for money. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. Expecting to receive something. What do you think he was expecting to receive? Money. And Peter and John says, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Boy, he got more than he bargained for. He didn't know that his day was about to change. His whole life was going to change. I want you to look there in John chapter 9. Just turn back to your left a little bit to the gospel of John in chapter 9. John chapter 9. And you'll notice there in verse 1. We just sung a song just a minute ago, or the choir did. I was blind, but now I see. Here in verse 1, and Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. A man blind from his birth. The other one is a man who was crippled from his birth. Do you think Jesus knew about all these individuals and their deformities? Their problems that they had? Well, somebody asked the question in verse 2, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He was there for the right moment at the right time because God says, I'm going to use him as an illustration. I'm going to teach a great truth. See, Jesus had said, I'm the light of the world. They said, You're not the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And when you put me on the cross, my Father will tell you who I am. 
but he was the light of the world. So now we're talking about uh, a man that can't see. And so he says in verse 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made some clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Boy, they'd get him today for that, wouldn't they? Can you see about going to an eye doctor and he takes and does that and spit and then stick it in your eye? Would you want to pay him? Well, he told him to go and wash, and he did. He came back, and some had a question in verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they that were before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some says, This is he. Others says, Oh, it's like him. But he says, I am he. It's me. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? How did this happen? Blind from birth, and now all of a sudden you can see. He said, How did this happen? He says in verse 25, he answered and said, whether or not, he says, concerning Jesus Christ, sinner or no, he said, I know not. He said, one thing I know, one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. I don't know how to explain that. But I know I was blind, and I know I can see. Well, later on, he got to meet the man. And down in verse 38, and he said, Lord, I believe, because now he knows who it was that had done this for him. See, the purpose of the miracle is to get someone to believe. The purpose of the gospel of John says that these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. That's the purpose of this book. So there's things that are put in here so that by believing you can have eternal life. Well, now, what about the story about the man that was, well, crippled for over 40 years? What was the purpose? Not just so that he could be physically healed. I mean, he could have done that without the show. Christ could have just done that, do that. But there's a reason behind it. Did you know that God has a reason for everything that he does? Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Even in your own personal life. There's a lot of things that will happen to you that you cannot explain. You may not even like it. But God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing in every individual life. The things he allows, the things he doesn't allow. So go back here to the book of Acts in chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, it makes this statement. But he says, Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And in verse 7, and he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. Immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Now, see, the Lord doesn't do that today. Now, if, if it had been back then, see, Jay could have just went to the Lord and, and he just done that for him. But now Jay has to go to the hospital and they got to give him a new one. So I'd, I'd rather have it like this. And in verse 8, and he took pain pills for a month and a half. <laughs> Look what it says here. He leaped. He leaped. And he stood. And he walked. And not only that, in verse 11, he ran. Now, buddy, a man that hasn't stood and walked and ran for 40 years, what the Lord did for him. He really appreciated it. 
It's like getting a set of wings or something. And so he says in the last part of verse 8, it says, He entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and doing what? Praising God. See, God, you believe it or not, will do almost anything in your life to get you to praise Him. God will even let you suffer so that when you get well, you'll thank Him for it. God can even withhold finances from you. So that whenever he gives you something, you'll be thankful. And you know whenever God does stuff like that, a lot of people never thank the Lord for it. Hmm. And so he says down here in verse 11, And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, he said, All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wandering. Oh, no doubt. Everybody walks in and they see this guy. Forty years. They'd have to lay him there. And now... He's walking and jumping and running and praising the Lord. What would you be doing if he did something like that for you? Now think about this for a moment. I was blind and lame for 18 years in my life. I was blind in that I could not see. I could not walk with God. I had no strength whatsoever. I was a lost man. And lo and behold, one day, somebody told me about Jesus. And I saw it. He opened up my eyes. I trusted Christ as my Savior. That was 51 years ago, and I haven't stopped running since. That's better than having your body healed. When God saved me, I once was blind, but now I see. Now I can walk with the Lord and talk to the Lord and hear from God. He's done all these things for me. Now, if he can do this for them physically and they can praise God and jump and shout and hoop and holler, what about God's people? Has God saved you? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell people about it. You see, this is what is so neat about some of these young kids. Learning some of the most important lessons of their life. You know, this soul winning is more important than being the president of the bank, making millions of dollars, being the president of the United States. It's better to be a soul winner because you can have something that makes people rich. Having nothing, but such as I have, give I thee. And they have something that they can go anywhere, talk to anybody, and there's a wealth of knowledge that they have called the gospel of Jesus Christ, the most powerful thing in all the world. But when all this happened, there was a, a problem. And in this problem, I have to watch this clock because I'm not sure that clock back here is going to be accurate for me. I hope that it will. It wasn't working earlier. It was already 1 o'clock when I started. <laughs> so here in the book of Acts in chapter 3, I want you to look there in verse 12. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though we by our own power or holiness that we have made this man to walk? It's not by their power and it wasn't by their holiness that they were able to do that. 
but it's because it was done in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, there's power in that name. He that believeth in the name of Jesus Christ, Jehovah Yasha, the God who can save and keep and defend and protect for all eternity. He that believeth in his name, the one that came into the world, that died on the cross, that paid for sins, that came back from the dead. If you'll believe in him, there's power in his name to do for you that nobody else can do for you. But he says here in verse 13, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murder to be granted unto you. Now, this is Peter talking to the people here the day of Pentecost. This is a little bit later. And so this happened. And he says, And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are all witnesses. And his name, get this, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The man became an opportunity to preach the gospel. And God says that it was used to confirm the word so that they would believe the gospel. See, you could watch miracles all day long and still die and go to hell. Uh, you could have God come down here right now and have me dance all over the platform, all over this place over here. Float to the air. So like a, it will not save one soul. It might get your attention, though. It might get mine, too. But the power is going to come when you hear the story. The gospel story is the most powerful thing in the world. God uses the message. You and I are just messengers. But there's a power in that story. And when people hear that story, See, you think that it depends upon your talent and your ability. No, God is not limited to you. All you've got to do is just tell the story, and God will do the rest. It will work God's way. But as he goes down to it, he, he tells them something. And I want you to see this. Uh, look there in chapter 4 and verse 8. Chapter 4 and verse 8, there's another situation brewing here. But there's a lot of people that have now heard and understood and they believed. So in chapter 4, just look there very quickly in verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word did what? Believe. You see, they can see a miracle, but it won't save. You have to hear the word. You have to hear the story. And that's why there's no power in a man being able to walk on water and perform miracles. And you might wonder, say, whoo, that, whoo, and you'll marvel over the individual. But the power to save a soul is in the story, the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, that message that we say we know and love. If it wasn't for the gospel, see, none of you would know Christ as your Savior. That's the only way that you can come to know Christ. See, the good news of the gospel is that eternal life, going to heaven, it is a gift. It is free. And all that you and I have to do is believe that when Christ died, he paid for our sins. I was with a guy yesterday, and I asked him, I said, Sir, I says, um, where are you going to go when you die? He says, well, 
And I'll just tell you what he told me now. So this is not to be offensive to anybody. I says, uh, where are you going to go when you die? He says, I'm Catholic. I says, that's, that's fine. I just wondered where you were going to go when you die. Because there's only two kinds of Catholics. And there's only two kinds of Baptists or Pentecostals or Methodists or Presbyterians. There's only two kinds. The kind that's going to heaven, the kind that ain't. Now, which kind are you? And I said, sir, let me ask you this. I said, isn't it true that you've heard almost all your life that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world? He said, yeah, I've heard that. I says, then, if he died and paid for all of my sins, why should I have to go to hell and pay for one sin if he paid for all of them? And he looked at me and kind of blank stare. So I see what you're saying. I said, if he paid for all of them, then there's none left for me to pay for. I don't have to go to hell and pay for one sin because he paid for all of them. I said, I don't deserve that. I cannot earn my way to heaven. I am a sinner. But when Christ died for me, he paid for all of my sins. That means now I don't have to pay for any of those sins. I don't have to go to hell and pay for any sin. That's why it's called grace. That's why there's mercy. That's why it talks about forgiveness. That is what really shows you how much God really loves me. He loves me that much that regardless of my type of sin or how many times I've sinned, His grace is sufficient. Abounding grace. As the song was, amazing grace. Isn't God's grace amazing Simply amazing. It's a wonderful thing. But it was because of how many people, see, came to know the Lord. See there in verse 4? How bit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Now, it's not men, I mean women and the children. There's the men. Now, that was 3,000 just right before this. It's really growing, isn't it? You say you can't have teenagers go out there and, and they had 77 trust the Lord I guess you don't believe there were 3,000 on the day of Pentecost either and you probably don't believe that there was 5,000 here this has to be a misprint right I mean one man can't get up there and preach and have that many people trust the Lord that's what it says in the book I believe the book I believe it and yes, I believe that kids can go out and talk to people and have people trust Christ as Savior. Done a little bit of that myself. Now look what he says in verse 8. Look in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole. In other words, this thing ain't dead yet. This thing ain't over yet already then got 5,000 from that one man, and now he's talking to him again. And you know what these religious leaders said? They said, don't you do that no more. Don't you preach in this name anymore. Don't you go witnessing. Don't you do this soul-winning stuff. But he says, if we this day are being examined 
of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he's made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they said, don't preach in his name. He said, this man is healed because of the name of Jesus Christ. And then he says, there is no other name whereby we must be saved. That's why in verse 12, it's such an awesome verse, because it just smacks right into the face of all these so-called leaders. And the Lord says, if you were so smart, if you were so wise, then why did you crucify the Lord of glory? So he makes a statement in verse 10. Be it known unto you, therefore, to all the men, people of Israel, and by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, does this man stand here before you whole. So he's got him a, a living example of the power of God. A man. Now, do you know this is why I like being able to have different ones come up here and say, and did last week with a couple of the older ones. They are examples of somebody who's taken God seriously. People who go soul winning are taking it seriously. You say, well, I know that, but when's the last time you passed out a track? When's the last time you talked to somebody about the Lord? Some people will take it seriously, but understand, those that do it will become a rebuke to everyone that doesn't do it. And after a while, you'll either start doing it, or you probably won't stay here. Because you'll find a reason to leave, because you can't take the pressure. But it is pressure. It sometimes forces and motivates us. If a little 15-year-old girl can do that, then blessed be God, why can't I do it? If a 17-year-old girl, and then she, I mean, she don't look like homemade sin. I mean, she could probably get into the boys all around here. Listen, but she loves the Lord more. She loves the gospel more. She wants to go to Bible school and be a missionary. And God forbid it, anybody would ever want to try to diminish that zeal in their lives. Because this is what it's all about. This is the Bible. This is Christianity. This is the purpose of what's going on. And God using individuals that you wouldn't think, God can't use this person. God can't use that person. I am of the opinion God can use anybody. God just looking for dedicated nobodies. And so he made the statement here in this verse 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And get verse 12. Neither is there salvation. And any other. For there is none other name. So when they say, don't preach in his name, it's the same as saying, hey, don't you kids go to Bible school? Don't you kids go soul winning? Don't y'all go on Friday night? Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't witness. 
There is no other name. So it means there is no other way to get saved. There's no other way to get people out of hell. Except by the power of the gospel. And the gospel is about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is God. It kind of like all goes together. That's what is the real purpose of life. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.